0: Hi, I'm Grant Armstrong and I get to serve as directing pastor here at St. John's United Methodist Church in Edwardsville, Illinois. We exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Our desire is to be a beacon of faith and service, focusing our passions and gifts to reflect Christ's love to the world. You're invited to join us each week at 9 a.m. for a time of traditional worship or at 11 a.m. for contemporary worship. Thanks for joining us for this online version of the sermon.
1: Our scripture comes from the second chapter of Luke, verses 8 through 20. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their sheep, flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the large glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said, Praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherds' story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain, that Jesus
0: Christ is born. Go tell it on the mountain, over
1: the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain, that Jesus Christ is born.
0: As a little kid, part of the excitement of Christmas, and this was just part one of the excitement of Christmas opening gifts, was the surprise. And in that day, many of the gifts were still surprises, no matter how relentlessly we asked for things nothing was a sure thing. Pages were meticulously marked in the Sears and J.C. Penney catalogs, but that did not equate to any sort of contractual obligations for either parents or North Pole residents. But sometimes those wishes would translate to reality, and we were overjoyed. Receiving and enjoying the gifts, that was all wonderful. But then, There was a part that was taking place later in the day that was exciting for me. It was the phone call that I would usually share with my cousin who was about the same age where we would recount in vivid detail the wonderful bounty of material possessions that had just been added to our already significant collections. It was genuine excitement for one another because we would soon be spending time together playing. And though the circle of free toy sharing was fairly tight at that time, My cousin and I had such a mutual agreement. When one of us was given a good gift, all of us enjoyed a good gift. Star Wars playsets, video game systems, and I'm talking Atari 2600, ColecoVision, and the OG Sega system. Music cassettes, back when you listened to music on cassette tapes, we were excited to pass around the good news of the gifts that we received because it was good news for all of us. I'm not sure if parents counted themselves as part of the all of us, but I'm pretty sure they found the arrangement better than if we were just fighting over one another's stuff. It's harder to do that as an adult. Have you noticed? We've learned over time that such practices and habits can look a little bit like silly boasting, especially when the practicality of sharing some of our gifts decreases with a more personal nature of what we receive. It's tougher, of course, but not impossible. I notice, for example, whenever Amy gets cool new clothing... Our daughters always find a way to share that with her fairly quickly. Theo and I might get there, but he's seven, so I fear he may be wearing my clothes ironically someday. Still, it's sharing. It was once in our nature to gladly share the good things that had been shared with us. Sometimes age, maturity, and cultural lessons prevent us from sharing quite so freely. Still, in the event of Jesus' birth, when one of us has received a good gift... We all receive this good gift, and it's worth celebrating. And that leads to our first lesson this morning. Music recalls history that might otherwise be forgotten. Music recalls history that might otherwise be forgotten. John Wesley Work Jr. was the son of a church choir director. He studied Latin, Greek, and history at Fisk University in Nashville and continued his education at Harvard before returning to teach at Fisk. And while there, he carried on a family choir directing role by leading the Fisk Jubilee Singers. As part of his directing, he developed a passion for recovering some of the folk songs and spirituals of the black experience in America. His was the first academic effort of that sort at its time. In a work Published in 1907, New Jubilee Songs and Folk Songs of the American Negro, which included one of the last songs he was able to recover, The Experience of American Slavery. It was a song that had forgotten roots. Original text and authorship had been lost. All but the refrain was given over to the ether of time. But go tell it on the mountain. Over the hills and everywhere, go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ was born, remained. Work's son, John Wesley Work III, recalls how as a child, the students at Fisk University began singing this before daybreak on Christmas morning, going from building to building. Later, his arrangement for the use in choral concerts by the Fisk Jubilee singers helped to popularize the spiritual. The refrain theme comes from Old Testament passages in which the praise of God for his acts of deliverance was often shouted both literally and metaphorically from the mountaintops. Isaiah 42 We read the encouragement of the prophet, Join in the chorus, you desert towns. Let the villages of Kadar rejoice. Let the people of Selah sing for joy. Shout praises from the mountaintops. The lyrics and music were both compiled as best they could be by Work Jr. and his brother Frederick. In this time, when a stock market scare was thwarted by folks like J.P. Morgan pooling millions of dollars with others for private bailouts, Oklahoma was just being admitted into the Union as the 46th state, a musical event in itself, and the very first ball drop was ever taking place at Times Square. It was in this time that these scholars saw fit to contextualize the experience of American slavery with the exile of the Hebrew people as described by the prophet Isaiah, with the shepherds in Bethlehem fields as described by Luke's Gospels. And that leads to our second lesson this morning. There are no nameless people in the kingdom of God. There are no nameless people in the kingdom of God. Luke was the Apostle Paul's personal physician during his missionary journeys because he probably started off with some sort of medical limitation, Paul did. It was added to by the beatings, shipwrecks, inconsistent shelter, and occasional starvation. These things certainly didn't help his well-being. So, when Paul and Luke journeyed together, Luke made it his mission to give the closest thing to a verifiable account as he could. He writes at the beginning of his gospel, many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They use the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write an accurate account for you, most honorable Theophilus, so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. Now, Historical scholarship in Luke's time was different from historical scholarship in our context, but this is the best and most sufficient endeavor Luke could undertake from witnesses to draw together a cohesive narrative of the life and impact of Jesus of Nazareth. Luke's gospel is often described as embodying Christ's favor for the impoverished, and we experience that in the description of the first celebration of Christ's birth, how that night there were shepherds staying in fields nearby. Guarding Their flocks, when suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them. The radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Today, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, has been born in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth and lying in a manger, a feed trough. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord told us about. As the youth were gathered on Sunday nights over this past month, we spent time with a study called SENT, and it talked about the appearance of shepherds as an act of reconciliation. How so? The book talked a little bit about night people. You've experienced this phenomenon. For the diurnal among us, there's a whole other world that exists at the third shift. These are the folks that I used to hang out with Denny's and truck stop diners when I was a younger man with better metabolism, a looser schedule, and could stay awake much later than I can in recent years. These are the folks who we bump into at Walmart at 11 p.m. when we, for some unknown reason, need to find something at Walmart in the middle of the night. These are the folks who are driving over the road or working shifts at hospitals or factories or patrols. These are night people, and unless we're intentional about bridging that time gap, we tend to miss one another. These shepherds were night people, and though their trade had been given honor because of what King David used to do in those same Bethlehem plains, these shepherds were often disregarded and ignored for their lack of culture and education and occasionally a lack of personal hygiene. They smelled like sheep, a little bit like Christoph of Frozen, smelled like Sven the Reindeer. It made them outcasts. It was a necessary task, and they had economic value, but they weren't folks that others went out of their way to show kindness. It's to them that angels appeared and offered the first invitation to the party of God who has come to reconcile. And the act not only relayed the message, but it was also the means they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the angel story, the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. See, The shepherds knew their place in the social order. If they would ever forget, then somebody would be quick to remind them of their place. Now, if Mary and Joseph... Had the baby in a nice house, the shame of the shepherds may have prevented them from entering in and seeing this miraculous birth. But a stable? A manger? That's home turf for them. As a matter of fact, Jesus had been born in shepherd territory. They knew those types of caves. They knew those types of feed troughs. They didn't have to even change clothes to enter into a barn. They were barn-ready. Jesus came in a way that made the least culturally comfortable the most welcome. Joseph and Mary came from hardworking stock. Joseph was a carpenter and craftsman. His hands were calloused and his skin was darkened from sun exposure. He maybe didn't smell like sheep, but he probably didn't smell like frankincense and myrrh quite yet. Even the Holy Family was completely relatable to the shepherds. Although Mary may have enjoyed just a A few additional moments to freshen up before she would entertain company. These shepherds, the nameless night people, were the first to receive the gift that would be for all. God let a whole bunch of them witness this experience so that the news could spread. But in order to get the good news to others, do you know who the folks of the community had to find and interact with? It was the shepherds. It was the night people. God designed the message so that the good news had to spread through interactions that were outside of social norms and the grain. The haughty had to be humbled and the downcast had to be exalted for the good news to spread. And in that simple act of sharing and celebration, Christ brought with him reconciliation between people. That leads to our third lesson this morning. Sharing good news should be an act of reconciliation. Sharing good news should be an act of reconciliation. John Wesley Work, Jr. was forced to resign from his role at Fisk University in 1923 because of negative feelings towards black folk music at the time. He was able to continue his career at Roger Williams University until his death two years later in 1925. The song, Go Tell It on the Mountains, that song we sing has its roots in American slavery. It's a part of our nation's history with which we have not fully reconciled Great chasms still exist between white America and people of color and other ethnic and national backgrounds. It happens on a personal level and it happens on a systemic level. When we sing this song, we sing a song of hope, a hope-filled scandal, that these walls of separation and segregation, walls Christ was born to tear down, will ultimately crumble to the ground. It's a partially forgotten song that had to be excavated from the hurt memories of those enslaved so it might be preserved for our proclamation today. It's a song of shepherds who were throwaway night people in the eyes of the culture who became essential messengers of hope with a holy birth and angelic visit. It's a song of those exiled from their homes in ancient Israel, invaded and exploited by captors, yet holding on to the hope of liberation and restoration. It's a song of Hebrew people who were found in Exodus from Egyptian slavery at the mighty hand and outstretched arm of their God. On a fairly superficial level, it's our song of freedom from slavery, of sin, and death. And I don't mean to discount that. That is ultimately very important to us. That is wonderful news we're celebrating. But on a deeper level, it's a song that we borrow in hope. It's a song that we borrow in hope of a reconciliation that is still to happen and coming gradually as God tears down systematic separation and oppression. We'll occasionally hear good news proclaimed in shouts from the mountaintops, but more often than not, we'll hear it from people whose voices maybe don't sound like ours, or perhaps our hearts are tuned together to Christ. We'll hear it when lowly hearts are exalted, when humble Hearts are brought high, and the haughty are humbled. And with that, a clear pathway is made for our spirits to hear good news. In verse 20, we read how the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen. It was just as the angel told them. Christ has come to reconcile. And we get to tell it on the mountains. We get to hear it in the valleys. But whatever we do, we get to remember That reconciliation doesn't happen because good news is kept to ourselves. Reconciliation happens because good news is ours to share. Would you pray with me? Gracious Lord, we are thankful that you have brought to us news of hope, news of joy. And were it not for messengers that were unexpected, that news would not be heard by us at all. Lord, help us to continue to listen to your hope, to your strength, to your love in all sorts of ways and in all kinds of places. And God, we pray that the work of reconciliation that Christ started, even in the manger, would be continued in our lives today. Tear down man-made walls and build your kingdom, Lord. We thank you and praise you for all this in Christ's holy name. Amen.